Bible Gathering. Welcome back. It is good to finally see you. It's been way too long, hadn't it? Man, five weeks seemed like uh, three months to me. It was, uh, I mean, I saw a few of you, but it's just good to have us back in the room, opening God's word together, worshiping together. And so if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter eight. Welcome back to the gathering. It is good to see you guys. And so here's, here's where we're gonna be uh, for the next several weeks. We're gonna be in this new series called Influencer. And uh, right off the top, I wanna give you a definition of this word. Not that you don't know what it is. It's not a new term. It's not something that we just created. But it has taken a new twist over the last several years. Right back when I was in high school, influencer was just called peer pressure. That's all it was. It was just, it was just peer pressure. You always heard, you know, youth group, your school counselors, like don't fall into peer pressure, right? Well, now we have this term we call influencer. And here's, here's the definition of an influencer. It's someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, platform, or relationship with his or her audience. To make it simple, it's the power to affect decisions. That's what an influencer is. And so we're, we, the reason we're doing this series is, is not because it's just a new word and a new idea that has come across the last couple of years. It's because of real conversations that we are having with you. Real conversations that we're having over the phone, over text, where they were, they were hearing in our small groups. We're hearing that we live in a day and age where there have never been more or louder voices shouting at you everywhere you go. It doesn't matter if it's a post about this or a text about that or an article about this or a news story about that. We live in a day where there are more voices and more opinions than ever before in human history. I read one statistic that said that if you were to take the, the, the content that we are ingesting every day and put it into a newspaper form, old school newspaper, that the average American would be reading 74 newspapers a day. That is the content that is being uh, pushed on us or that we are welcoming into our lives on a daily basis. That is a lot to process. Not only that, but we have, we have these platforms of communication where every voice has an equal voice, right? When you're scrolling through your feed, there is no notification that pops up that says, this person is wise, listen to them. There's no notification that says, oh, ignore this post, this person's a fool, right? Both the wise and the foolish, the smart and the dumb all have equal footing in our lives today. And it's up to us to figure out who, who, is, who is the wise and who's the fool, who is um, self-serving in their messaging and who is selfless in their messaging. But make no mistake, we are being influenced. Every day, everywhere we go, whether it's mom from a text message that you got this morning or whether it's a official influencer on social media, we are being influenced. And we don't have, I mean, I'm not, this is not rocket science to y'all. I know this. Like we'd be foolish, right? We're kidding ourselves if we were to believe that we're not being influenced. We see the numbers. We see the dollars leaving companies to individuals to push a message or push a product because they want to take influencers and they just want to change your behavior and your purchasing choices. Most likely, 
whether it's actually purchasing an item or just watching their channel so that they can sell more ads and, and fill their pockets. And so we have to ask ourselves at some point, who am I allowing to influence me? Should I be allowing them to influence me? How do I make a determination whether they are worthy of being listened to or whether they're not? Because this is, this is the, the, the issue of our day is, is everyone's got a voice, everyone's got a message, everybody's got an opinion, and if you don't share their opinion, then you hate them. That's the world we find ourselves in. So as Christians, what do we do? The short answer comes in Luke chapter eight, verses 18. When Jesus says these six words, so be careful how you listen. That's Jesus. He's telling them, be careful how you listen. Why? Because we are easily influenced. And so in this series, we're gonna look at what the Bible says about the biggest influencers in our lives and how we can approach them biblically and how we can respond to them biblically. So tonight, where do you think we're gonna start? Who do you think we're gonna start with? Jesus, come on, you know it. Right, we're gonna start with Jesus, the single greatest influencer of all time. Hands down, whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, an atheist, there is no debate, and I'm about to show you why. Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time because he has affected the most change in human history for all time. Let me just read these these facts and, and a few quotes to you to, to kind of give you a flavor of like, this isn't just a Christian pastor telling you and, and being the hype man for Jesus, all right? These are facts. In just over 300 years, Jesus went from being from a relative obscurity on the fringes of the Roman Empire seeped in paganism to the figure that that empire followed and worshiped in 300 years. In 2021, roughly 2.4 billion people around the world identify with Jesus in some branch of Christianity. Every major religion, Islam, Hinduism, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, Buddhism, all regard Jesus as a major figure. Pastor John Ortberg in his book on this very topic says, it is in Jesus' name that desperate people pray. Grateful people worship and angry people swear. Everyone knows the name of Jesus. Whether you are desperate for him to move, whether you are desperate for him to show up, or whether you're just angry and having a bad day, everybody knows the name of Jesus Christ. Author and historian H.G. Wells said this, I am a historian, I am not a believer. But I must confess as the historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. He was the greatest influencer. The calendar system used by most of the world is based on his birthday. I can't even remember my kid's birthday. But we changed the calendar for his. The Bible, which tells his story, continues to be the best-selling book in history. And estimations say that have, uh, the Bible has sold over six billion copies 
and been translated into 2,000 languages. Because of the words of Jesus throughout history, it is Christians, because of Jesus, who are led in building and starting hospitals and orphanages and schools. In fact, 92% of the first 140 colleges and universities founded in our country, in America, began specifically for and by Christians, including Harvard and Yale. Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time. Pastor James Allen Francis wrote a poem, and it's entitled, One Solitary Life, and this is what it says. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. 20 centuries came and have gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. I am well within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on earth as much as this one solitary life. You see, Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time, and he did it in three years. The first 30 he was a non-factor when it comes to his ministry. He did it in three years. He changed the world. Paul has his own take on this one solitary life. The apostle Paul in Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20, he writes this. The son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Pause, you were created for Jesus. You see, we spend our lives trying to figure out what am I created for? What am I to do with my life? You were created by him and for him, says Paul. Verse 17, he is before all things and he, in, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is Jesus. 
He is the one we sing to. He is the one we follow. He is the one we obey and we surrender to. He's not a good luck charm. He is the greatest influencer of all time. And that influencer offers you and me an invitation. Follow me. In a world where we have influencers and people trying to get us to follow them all day long, there is a still, quiet voice from Jesus himself saying, come, follow me. And so throughout this series, we are going to look at Jesus and we are gonna look at the other influences that, that, that compete for our heart. And hopefully by the end of this series, you will have a better grasp on what you allow to influence you, who you are becoming and what you are allowing to shape you. Because Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time. And the amazing thing is, is unlike all the other influencers, Jesus did not come to change what you do. He came to change who you are. That's the difference. There are a lot of influencers that just want to change what you do. And for some of you, you grew up in a church just like me, where you just thought all Jesus cared about is what you do. When actually he didn't come to change what you do, he came to change who you are. And the funny thing is, is when Jesus changes who you are, you then change what you do. Because he has come to seek and save the lost and he has rescued you and made all things new and reconciled you to God. So let's take a look at Luke chapter eight. I'm gonna look at, we're gonna look at one of my favorite stories when it comes to this idea of Jesus being the greatest influencer. So Luke chapter eight, verses 26 through 39. If you wanna follow along with me, uh, let's read and let's dive into this. It says, they, the disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man uh, had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he lived in the tombs, in a graveyard. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times had it seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and he had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Verse 30, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into this man. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on a hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down a steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in town and the countryside. And, they, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it 
told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. What a story. I love this story. In 13 verses, I mean, there is so much here. I love the imagery of the tombs. There's a man that is possessed. He is controlled. He is 100% influenced by a demon. And where does he live? He lives in the tombs where death is. And it just makes me wonder how often we like to live in the tombs of our life where there is no life. I think it's fascinating looking at this story to see how the demons interact. Like if you ever do a study, this would be a cool study to do. Study how demons interact with Jesus because they know exactly who Jesus is. They ask permission from Jesus to move. Fascinating. Not only the demons, but it's fascinating to look at how the people respond to Jesus. It's not good. They don't like him because Jesus enters the moment and he messes up with their economy. They lose money because Jesus set someone free and they were scared of him and they asked him to leave. But what I wanna do is I wanna look at three things that this passage can, that can point us that as the greatest influence of all time that Jesus does. The first point is this, Jesus is the greatest influence of all time because he transforms lives. He transforms lives. Just look at this guy. So just so that you know what I'm doing here, like Luke chapter eight, this story is, that's where it's found, but it is also found in Mark chapter five. And so when you take both of these stories about the same account and you bring them together, you come up with a full picture of what's happening. All right? And before this man met Jesus, before he met Jesus, this is who he is. He was naked. He was homeless. He was living in a graveyard. He was possessed and enslaved by demons. He was mentally and physically tortured. That's where it says in Mark chapter five, it says he would go on the hillside and cry out and cut himself with stones. He was tortured by this demon. People were terrified of him. They tried to restrain him, but they could not. They were scared of him. And he was identified multiple times in this story as the demon-possessed man. His identity was his past. His identity was what enslaved him. His identity of where he had been and what he was. That was before he met Jesus. And then Jesus gets off the boat. And we see some amazing things. We see a life transformed by Jesus. After Jesus, we see that he is clothed. Jesus commands him in 39 to go home. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was free from the demon. He was in his right mind. And that word in their right mind means sober and self-controlled. And people were no longer fearful of the man. They were fearful of Jesus. 
and he was given a new identity and purpose at the end of the story. Look at this list. Before Jesus' influence, he was naked, homeless, living in tombs, enslaved, tortured, terrifying people around him, and his identity was attached to his past and his baggage. After Jesus, he's found clothed, he's sent home, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, he's free from demonic possession, he's in his right mind, he's no longer feared, and he's given a new life and a new purpose in Christ. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a life transformed by Jesus. And I wonder, when we look at our relationship with Christ, I think sometimes we get wrapped up in him trying to change what I do instead of asking God to change who we are. This man, the demon-possessed man, God, Jesus changed who he was. And then it changed what he did. And so Jesus didn't come to that man to change what that man did. He changed who he was. And likewise, Jesus isn't trying to make our life in the tombs more comfortable. He's not trying to make life in the graveyard more bearable. Jesus came to set you free from the tombs. To set you free from that which possesses you. He's come to set you free. I can't think of a more vivid picture than this story, than the verse John 10, 10. The enemy, Jesus says this, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. If we could put that slide back up of, of who Jesus, or who the man was before Jesus. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Look at that list. That is what the enemy is here to do. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Clothed, home, right-minded, no one's scared anymore. You have a new purpose. Like John 10, 10 is lived out in this man's life right before our very eyes. So Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time because he changes lives and he transforms lives. The second thing is that Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time because Jesus changes eternities. He doesn't just transform lives, he changes eternities, right? The influencers that we know, they just wanna change what you buy. They don't wanna change what you buy. They wanna change your habit today and tomorrow. Jesus came to transform lives and to change eternities. In John chapter five, verse 24, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes, and that word believes means trusts or is persuaded to put their confidence in, all right? Whoever hears my word and believes, trusts in him who sent me, has eternal life, and life will not, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Again, look at this man. He was living in the tombs. He met Jesus, and in an actual physical way, he, he left his home of death and moved in to his home of life in Christ. And this is where I think the interaction with the demon is incredibly insightful for the Christian, or should I say for the churchgoer, all right? What we see here is we see a demon in verse 28 of Luke. It says, when he saw Jesus, 
he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? You see, the demons know exactly who Jesus is. They know who he is, but they do not know Jesus. We can have a knowledge and a belief that is not a saving faith. The demons know who Jesus is, but they do not trust him for their salvation. But this man knows who Jesus is and where do we find him? At the feet of Jesus listening. And then at the end of the story, he is obeying and following the words of Christ. That is the difference. And this is a, this is a, this is a, a big moment in this story. That there is a demonic faith, and there is a saving faith. There is a faith that only knows who Jesus is, but does not trust and obey. And there is a faith that transforms and saves. It is one that knows and obeys, who has put their trust in Jesus. And as someone who grew up going to church, that is a terrifying truth. Because for far too long, I knew who Jesus was. But he had no effect on my life. I know what he claimed. I know all the names. I know the, the Bible verses. But it did not translate to surrender. And what we see this man do, Jesus frees him from possession. And the man is found at the feet of Jesus, surrendered and then obedient. And so Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time because he transforms life and he changes eternities. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, believes, puts their trust in, finds their confidence in Jesus, will be saved, will cross over from death to life. And lastly, number three, Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time because Jesus makes the influenced into the influencer. Jesus makes the influence into the influencer. So verse 38 and 39, watch this, right? He's, he's possessed by a demon. Jesus casts out the demon. The man is found at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And Jesus and the disciples get back into the boat and head out. And it says, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged Jesus to come with him. But Jesus sent him away. What? Isn't this the same Jesus that said, come follow me? This man's life has been transformed. His eternity has been changed. And all he wants now is to follow Jesus. He has been eternally and daily practically transformed. And he says, I'm in, let's go, I wanna follow you. And Jesus says, no. Not to following him, he says no to getting in the boat. And he says, Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went, he obeyed, and he told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. You see, Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time because he transforms lives, he changes eternities, and then he says, not only that, 
I'm gonna turn you into the influencer. You go, share your story. Tell everyone that you find what God has done for you. You see, I think we get wrapped up in having the right words and knowing all the Bible verses instead of just saying, what has God done in my life? Go share it. You see, Jesus is the greatest influencer and the reason it only took him three years to transform the rest of human history is because he was not the only messenger. His followers became the influencers and the Holy Spirit took the message through people just like you and me. And he said, go, share your story and tell everyone what God has done for you. I wonder if the reason we don't share our faith sometimes is because we don't understand what God has done for us. We know the stories, but we have never grappled with the depth of our own sin and our own fallenness and our own, uh, what's the right word, our own bent towards rebellion. That we've never actually sat with who we are apart from Jesus. And so the good news is not actually that good news. It's a good suggestion. But this guy, this guy in Luke 8, he met Jesus and it transformed his life because he knew he was living in the tombs. Do we know our tombs? Do we know the things that we're drawn to? That we, we, just want, we just want to invite Jesus into the graveyard, just make it a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more guiltless. I don't want to follow Jesus. I just, just, will you just come in and, and, and make it a little bit better? Jesus is not about that. He's not about that. He's about calling us out of the graves. He's calling us out of the grave and giving you new life in him and growing something that was dead and is now alive. And so why do we not share our faith? I think it might start with we don't understand what God has done for us. And I think the one of the ironic things and as I talked through this earlier today, Jason White, our worship leader said, Andy, I find it ironic and interesting that Jesus sent this man back to where he had been rejected. That whole town knew all of his baggage. That whole town knew everything. They knew who he was, they were scared of him, they knew he was crazy town, they knew he was the weird naked guy out in the, in the graveyard. They knew him. And God said, Jesus said, go back to them and tell them what God has done. That's why here at the gathering, in our small groups, it is so important for us to know what God has done in our own life. We wanna live in authenticity and in genuine, be genuine with each other. Like, I'm, we don't need to hide because when we hide, we steal God's glory and we try to make what we've done to make myself look better. And he just says, hey, bro, we're going across the lake. I'm sorry, you can't come. Just go back to where everyone already knows you and tell them what God has done for you. Some of your versions may say, tell them how God has had mercy upon you. Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time. He transforms lives, he changes eternities, and he makes the influence the influencer. So what do we do with this? Number one, I wanna ask you to ask yourself a question. Who is the greatest influencer in your life? 
what is the loudest voice that you listen to? Right, like, how do you figure this out? It's like, like ask yourself, where, do you, where, where are your emotions come from? When, when you get ang- anxious or angry or bitter or frustrated, like, what, where's that coming from? Ask yourself, are you listening carefully? Or are you just taking it all in and trying to figure it out all at the same time? Number two, have you allowed Jesus to change who you are, not simply what you do? Have you allowed Jesus to change your identity and who you are? Or are you just always concerned about him changing what you do and so you resist? And then lastly, I wanna give you a challenge, especially for those in this audience tonight and those who are online, that where you, you would solidly say, I am a follower of Jesus. He is my king and he is my God. I am a follower of Christ. If that is you, I wanna challenge you to tell one person this week what God has done for you. One person. How has God shown you mercy? What is the story of him rescuing you from the grave? That's why it's so important for us to know our story so that we're ready to share it. All Jesus said was go tell them what God has done for you. Christian, follower of Jesus, one person this week. Share what God has done for you. Don't be afraid. It's the Holy Spirit that does all the work. You just be obedient. Be faithful in sharing your story. We're about to go into 120 seconds here in in, in a minute and we'll get to that, but let me just finish with this. I wanna be repetitive so that you, you, you remember this walking out tonight. Jesus is the greatest influencer of all time. He redeems your past, he changes your present, and he secures your future. That's Jesus, the greatest, the greatest. He redeems the past, and he changes the present, he secures your future, and he gives you purpose for today. He didn't come to change what you do, but who you are. The question is, will you let him? Will you let him? So we're gonna go into 120 seconds and we're gonna leave the so what's on the screen. And if you're new to the gathering, we just take 120 seconds, two minutes, to just sit with the questions, sit with the scriptures that we just talked through, and just ask God, God, what would you wanna do? And ask the Holy Spirit to do some work. Maybe it's that one person. God, show me who that needs to be. And then we're gonna come back and we're gonna worship a little bit more. And we're gonna give him all the praise that he deserves as we go into the rest of our week. That we, the influenced by Jesus, would become the influencer. Let's pray. Lord, I just wanna thank you for this evening, Lord. Thanks for bringing us back. God, thank you. God, I just feel like thank you's not enough sometimes, Lord. Because I say thank you so much to so many different things. God, we are just humbled at your love for us. God, that you know our past. You know every bit of it. You know every second of it. You know every place of it. You know all of it. 
yet you chose to come to this earth to reconcile all things to yourself that we might have eternal life with you. So Lord, I just pray as we worship, as we think, as we meditate on these questions, Lord, that you would move in us, that we would leave tonight different than when we came. In your son's name, amen.